Hello, and welcome to Geek Space Nine, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series. How do you nine with this? How are you, Peter? I'm pretty good. Uh, home from work, so it's like it's good to just kind of decompress and talk about nerd stuff now. Yay. And with Yay. as well is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm very good. I'm very happy that Peter is saying he's home from work because I know it'll be a little while down the line after this this gets released um, after we recorded it, but the aftermath of Harvey is still very much a thing and Peter is coming to us from Houston, but it just makes me happy that he's doing normal things like going to work and recording a podcast and that your life hasn't been turned completely upside down. Yeah, super thankful for that. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I'm going back to Houston, so hopefully I'll see Peter soon. I Woo! Yay! Yeah. <clears throat> also, in terms of nerd stuff, I would just like to recommend uh, everyone check out this video I just saw. Ben, I'm so sorry, you're going to have to find this again. Um, but it is a very interesting video of a uh, convention in Kansas that took place in 1976 with Mark Hamill and Gary Kurtz. And it took, it's about Star Wars, but it's before Star Wars came out. So it's very interesting to see everyone talk about this little forgetting whatever sci-fi movie that everyone thinks is going to come out and bomb. And uh, one thing you learn is that 40 years ago, nerds are just the same as they are now at conventions. Because one goes up to it and goes, um... Well, these science movies aren't about science. They're about dumb stories and stuff. And then he's like, yeah, well, this is like an adventure. And like, it's wow. going to be more like fun and exciting. And it's not going to have very much scientific, you know, like basis. And that's okay. That's not what we're going for. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, good luck with that. <laughs> and <then> like, wow. <laughs> I want to do like a major league gaming edit where it's like cut to box office, second highest grossing movie of all time adjusted. but it's very fascinating you'll learn a lot of stuff perhaps the other most fascinating part was they're like yeah we're not sure if there's a going to be more sequels uh to star wars which <laughs> there was ever a time where they weren't sure there would be sequels to star wars it certainly ain't now um so Times change, times yeah, change. But yeah, now we have sequels and spinoffs and TV shows, prequels. video games, prequels and books, and all Wikipedia. Legos. Oh, the other thing that I liked is that Mark Hamill refers to Chewbacca as the big hairy ape man. So that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's funny I mean, he's to try to describe him before they knew what a Wookiee was. You know. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Well, this week we are talking about some other dirty shit in the Star Trek verse. We are talking about season five, episode fifteen and sixteen, which is by Inferno's Light, the end of the two-parter, and Doctor Bashir, I presume. So first up is by Inferno's Light. Last time on DS9, we've received a coded message. What is it, Garrick? It's actually a Nabrantain. You must take Worf. Ah, we are being captured, son, father. No, my God! The wormhole is open. And now the conclusion. The crew prepares as the Jem'Hadar fleet pour through the wormhole, but are surprised when instead of an attack, they head straight for Cardassia. What? Kira, piloting the Defiant, is shocked 
when Duke Hotspur de Prey joins the fleet and reveals he has conspired with the Dominion and Cardassia is becoming part of them. <gasps> Airhorns and such. In the internment camp, all the Cardassians are released except for Garrick, as Gold Ducat is now the commander of the civilian government, and that feud will just never, ever die. Ducat promises to rid Cardassian space of all intruders, including the crew of DS9, as let's not forget, it is a Cardassian vessel. Also, Fake Shear brings up the likelihood of changelings aboard, because of course he does, because he is one. On the internment camp, the plan is to dig deep into the walls in order to send out a signal to the runabout and transport them all off. However, only Garrick is small enough to fit into the tight spaces. In order to distract the guard, Worf agrees to have one-on-one fights with the Jem'Hadar. At first, the commander finds Worf no true combatant. However, he changes his opinion as Worf begins to win day after day despite gaining worse and worse injuries. On DS9, they are surprised when the badly injured Klingon fleet arrives. They have taken heavy losses from the new Dominion Cardassian Union, to which Sisko convinces Galron to reinstate the Kittimer Accords and become allies again. On the camp, Garrick is suddenly overcome by his claustrophobia, and he goes into a state of shock. Worf continues to fight despite this, and as he and Martok discuss the great Klingon songs that will be written of this moment, Garrick breaks out of his trance and decides to face his dungeon on his own. Worf once again goes out to face an opponent, but with none left, the commanding Jim Hadar fights him himself. Garrick is forced to work in the dark and hurry when Jim Hadar discover their plan, and many prisoners are and guards are killed in a scuffle. Worf, meanwhile, is too weak to properly fight the commander, but refuses to go down. When the commanding Vorta orders the Jem'Hadar to kill Worf, the Jem'Hadar states that he has shown that Worf has shown his honor and bravery, and that he does not deserve death. The Vorta then orders them both killed, because that's what Vorta do. And while the commander is slain, Worf and the others manage to escape via transporter just in time. On DS9, the crew are surprised when the Romulans show up and agree to help. However, a massive fleet that seems to be cloaked surrounds the station. Confused as to where they are and not being attacked suddenly, they are hailed by the real Bashir. They realize Fakeshir has killed the crew of a runabout and is about to drive it and himself into the Bajoran sun with a device that will cause the star to supernova and destroy Bajor, DS9, and the Romulan Klingon human fleets in one fell swoop. The Defiant is able to catch the ship in time, which explodes harmlessly away from the sun. Suddenly, the reinings of the Dominion ships disappear, and they realize it was a diversion tactic for Fake Shear's plan. Back at Quark's, Zial and Garrick reunite, as do Dax and Worf. Sisko agrees to allow a Klingon presence aboard DS9, and promotes Martok to lead the troops. In his office, Sisko receives a call from Dukat. Sisko notes Zial would have died too if Fake Shear's plan had worked, to which Dukat shows little remorse. Dukat and Sisko exchange ominous retorts that the battle for Starfleet was won today, but we will see about tomorrow. What do we think of By Inferno's Light? I really liked this one. Same. For several reasons. Yes. Let's go. Like Lists. like super intense because there were there was crazy stuff happening on all like on all fronts both both in the internment camp and on DS nine, the whole the whole the whole the whole thing the whole thing with like with like when like when when is the DS nine crew gonna find out about fake shear and also thank you Ben for coining that fake shear like seriously, um, thank you. 
finding finding out because I didn't know about it. I I I, I maybe it was revealed to that revealed to us earlier in the show, but I forget. Uh, uh finding out or re realizing that uh Ger- that uh Garrick is claustrophobic, like extreme, like panicky claustrophobic. Oh my god, um, Worf like. Like warp being like like point zero zero one seconds away from death. <laughs> that was crazy yeah. stuff. <clears throat> do you feel the same, Sarah? I do, I do. And uh, just to continue on um, with you know a, a, a total agreement with everything Peter said, and uh, some some really great Klingon moments just in this episode. Um, really pleased that Gowron is back. Very happy to see him. The real Gowron. And, yes, the real oh, The real Gowron. Martok. The real yes. Martok, yeah, the real Martok. Yes. Oh, I have Gowron written, but... Well, Gowron came back, too. He was. Uh, yeah. came back in the DS9. Yeah. I was saying... Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Martok was the one who was replaced. I was being a nerdy correctionist. Gotcha. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and um, some really awesome exchanges between Martok and Worf when they're in the, the internment camp. Yeah. Um, Martok tells Worf, he says, you have the spirit of Kaelas within you, which I think must be the greatest compliment that right. a Klingon yes, can receive. <clears throat> I, and uh, also, yeah, one on. more thing I'd like to point out, um, Worf doesn't say it, but Martok says of the Gem Hadar that they have no sense of honor and oh, it wasn't right. Worf who said it, but I knew the Klingons were gonna have something to Yay. say about the Gem Hadar and their lack of honor, so Woo. it finally happened. Yeah, it was paid pleased. off. Yes. That's right. That's a good point. We've been waiting five seasons for that. That's, I know. Right. That's right. I remember you saying you were excited for that, like season one or something like that. So something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Like the second, like the second we, I, I think it was like really, like really soon after we were introduced to the Dominion, Sarah was like, "So Worf, when you gonna say it?" Yes. All right. I, I will mm-hmm. note though, I, 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 I know, I know it was for story purposes and all, but I find it interesting that it's like Garrick is the smallest one of the group, and it's like, have you all seen how lean Bashir is? Like you, right. you're, you're telling me he can't fit in there come on and boys a stick man <laughs> like literally come he's on little, dude is he a little taller than garrick? that's what i was thinking yeah, I is think maybe so. garrick was short enough yeah he strikes me as one of the more taller people in the show mm-hmm. this year yeah I, yeah. I, I, yeah he's tall and lanky but but i but i i, I guess you know garrick has a better choice because he because he's a little shorter than bashir but but he also probably has like a better understanding of you know how to how, how to like re-engineer all like all the circuit boards and stuff that were that were that were behind that panel. So you know, yeah, Garrick yeah. probably also has like skills from from that from his. You know, I have a special time. set of skills. Actually, <laughs> I have about fifty five <laughs> special sets of skills. Uh, Garrick's taken. I would love that. <laughs> that would be oh scary. Zial is taken. <laughs> he wouldn't even. Oh God. Garrick wouldn't even lift a finger. He would just like press a few buttons and he'd be like, "Okay, she's on her way back. What happened? Don't worry about it." Mm-hmm. Right, right. He would subterfuge his way out of that uh, situation. Yeah, let's start with the the war stuff because I think that was probably one of my favorite parts of this episode. I like the whole thing about framing it as a Klingon epic story because it feels like one. It does. Right. It, it does, does feel like an epic, the epic story of Worf, the warrior who would never be beaten. You know, like uh, yeah, I would, I would watch that opera. Just right? saying. Sir- oh yeah. my god, yes. Get on it, guys. 
I agree, and uh, I loved Garrick's little line where he's like, I'm not going to be the scared <laughs> Cardassian in this story. I'm not going to be the one who got freaked out and uh, didn't do anything. <laughs> I refuse mm. to be that person, which I enjoy very much. Yeah, it was great to see Worf uh, do something that was very Worf-like. I think one of my big problems that I've always had, there's a, a whole trope called after it called uh, Worf Has a Cold, which is that <laughs> because... Worf is the strongest character in uh, Star Trek's Next Generation. Usually Worf would be the first one to get beaten up by an alien to prove how strong it was. But because he got beaten up so many times, it almost becomes like Worf isn't that strong, you know? Right. Like yeah. it, it almost becomes like Worf's like a bit of a weakling. And this is an episode like, no, he's fucking strong as shit. He yeah. hold his own. Yeah, that, that that reminds me of um of uh the '90s the the '90s X Men cartoon where where uh, where you had Jean Grey and and, and even even after she got the Phoenix Force where, where it's 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 like this big cosmic force that was like suddenly just within her body and so you can and so she she is supposed supposedly able to do these fantastic awesome things but so often she would like hold up a big ass beam of metal and that's all she can do all of a sudden she's like and, she, and she'd be like scott i'm so weak uh and it's like you have the phoenix force inside you do something patriarchy <laughs> yeah yeah well shall we talk about ducat the, uh, zero remorse for Zial being on, mm. on on DS9 because he is that pissed off at Garrick for for, for for her being with him. It's like all it's like I want all of the Cardassians except you. Fuck you specifically. I don't care about DS9. Even my daughter. I now completely write her off. And it's like wow, you have some serious issues, dude. This dude, I gotta yeah. say, uh, Ducat would probably last in Game of Thrones. He's probably like the yeah. character in Star Trek who would last Actually, the best because. Come to think of it. He, he reminds me closest of uh, of Bruce Bolton, actually, in terms mm. of like how he's yeah. always yeah, yeah, like yeah. picking the best side. And Bruce Bolton's downfall was trusting uh, his family, and he doesn't give a shit about family either. So like, he doesn't care. I mean, like, it, I I I love him. I fucking love Gold Ducat. I don't know about you guys. Like, I hate him in terms. Oh of, no, yeah, he's, he's a terrible he's, human being. Yeah, he's crazy to hate. But I think he's one of the best characters because he is so. Uh, undefinable you know what i mean and that he uh mm-hmm. he's very cardassian first <laughs> like that's what we makes, get that's our what line. makes villains yeah. that's what makes villains so interesting because you get to like give them like super cool motivations for why they're dicks all right, I, right. I, I i think i think that i i think like like once again once again going back to marvel and like specifically the mcu that's why people that's why people like loki so much because he's such a juicy character he's like he's like yes like yes he's evil but it's like why is he evil Right. And he's always, and Loki's a similar one where he's always switching sides, you know. Mm-hmm. Like Thor Ragnarok, now he's shooting lasers, but I'm sure by the end he'll be a dick at the end again. Oh, I mean, yeah. Loki do. He, he's, he's part of the reason why Ragnarok even happens, so, you know. <clears throat> That's true. That's true. I am so into, like, it's so funny comparing, <laughs> like, Thor Ragnarok to, I just played a game called Hellblade Sinuous Sacrifice. Yes. Oh, that's right. You told me about that. Just an amazing game and talks about Ragnarok a lot in it, and like it's like all about how like horrible and destructive it is. And then Thor Ragnarok is like oh laser cannons, fun, sparks. <laughs> like, and not like, that I'm excited. It's just neon sign title screen. Thing. I, I was watching the trailer and I was like, Thor Ragnarok. Every image looks like an '80s heavy metal album cover art. Oh <laughs> like my every god, single you're right. One. 
Like a green giant comes after a big flamey demon. <laughs> like the, the shot, the shot when Valkyrie is is, is walking away from like fireworks in the ship, and you're just like, yeah, oh, this is so hot. <laughs> Kate Blanchett has goth makeup and antlers. Um, exactly, <laughs> antlers. I want to listen to that album. Oh, I would, I would On love loop. that album so much. <laughs> actually, 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 come to think of it, so Thor Ragnarok comes on comes out on November third. This 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 Geek Space Nine episode is probably going to come out pretty close, if not after even that 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 movie hits theaters. So this is going to be so great to listen back to it in like retrospect and be like, "Yep, we're right." Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Dukat's a I don't know. He's a fascinating guy, and you're right. Like a whole bit of mm. at the end where he's like, "Ah, she was dead to me he when I left." It. It's like, oof. like, dude. Like so much love for your family, I see. It. Right, it's like you gave up everything to be with her. Now he's like, "Fuck her!" I got my opportunity to save Cardassian. She's not coming, so I don't care. I have my, no, I have. My, you know, that's two part. I have my opportunity to save Cardassia and fuck over and fuck over Garrick. <laughs> it's true. I, <laughs> <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a similar it's... Shakespearean duo that's like Garrick and Ducat. Um, I feel like there's one that's sort of similar, more like. We should we should well, ask. Well, back we should on ask the Game of Thrones enemies. bit a little bit. If uh, if Ducat is Roose Bolton, then Garrick is Littlefinger. <laughs> oh, Garrick is Littlefinger for sure. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> with a with a pinch of Varys. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got the sass of Varys. Indeed, actually, maybe he's mm-hmm. more Varys than. Littlefinger, because he seems to have picked a side at this point. Like Varys seems to have picked a side, but at the same time, you have to wonder: is it out of necessity or what? Yeah, and then again, Littlefinger's got his whole thing with Sansa, and Garrick seems to have this thing with see y'all. Spoilers for Game of Thrones, by the way, <laughs> guys. Just a late heads up. It's probably not a huge spoiler if you watch Game of Thrones at all, but you know. Right. Right. Go listen to A Feast for Bros. That's true. That's true. We do have a whole yes. podcast about all that Indeed. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah, they 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 just finished talk they finished talking about season seven earlier this year, so you know. So so go go back and listen go back and listen to it as you know we super patiently but also extremely impatiently wait await for season eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2019. But it's going to be so good, you oh guys. Oh my god, I can't wait. Mm. I'm not even fully caught up yet. I'm just like, bring it on. Yes. Excuse me, Dine. <clears throat> also, uh, once again, the Dominion with their goddamn plans. Those motherfuckers and their Dude. plans. They're so good at their plans. They don't... Mm-hmm. They're very bad at achieving them, except for that one time. Well, yeah, except for that one time. But uh, they got close again. Ah, yeah. It, it, it makes me it, it, with with the, with the whole thing with fake sheer and 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 the plan to make the sun go to supernova, and then and then Gold Ducat now be, now being now being the uh, the leader of all of Cardassia, it makes me wonder like like when was. Ducat first contacted by a Dominion member. Like, when right. did that first interaction happen? Because that's not something that just ha- like occurs overnight. That takes planning. It takes time. 
it takes slowly whittling away the people who could possibly stand in your way. So it's like, it's like I, I, I want to know when the turning point was. Here's another thought. Is Ducata changeling? Uh, oh. <coughs> well, oh. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't think so. He's just, he's too Ducati. <laughs> yeah. Just, no, you know. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. This, this, this is now I need, I need a Photoshop of Gold Ducat and a Ducati. Isn't that a kind of car? <laughs> A uh, Bucati. Bucati, is it? Ducati. You might be Ducati. Ducati. Me Ducati. Google. You know, it, yes. it's, it's Ducati. It's Ducati. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, ra- it's a motorcycle. Uh, uh, racing bikes. <clears throat> you know, like a super fancy motorcycle? Yeah, they're, 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 they're really, they, they can be really pretty. Like super pretty. Mm-hmm. So now, yes, now I need Ducat on a Ducati. Anyways, no, no, yeah, I, 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 I want to I, I say, I want to say that that the Ducat we're seeing is the real Gull Ducat because I because I feel that that if if it turned out that it was a change thing, it would take so much away from this big ass revelation of I have joined of I I speaking for my entire race of people and my planet have joined the Dominion. If it if it was if 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 it was a change thing, it would take away that bite it would take away that huge like character slash narrative moment so i'm saying it's the that's real go to cod that's true that's true <clears throat> yeah and uh now we seem to have our our battle lines so we've got uh cardassians and dominion on one side and humans uh romulans and klingons Mm. Yeah, the Romulans are are on uh, the side of the Federation for once. How about that? I know, shocking. Yeah, yeah the enemy of your the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So you know, that's very true. There you it's go. A very, that's a very Romulan feeling sentiment, I think. Yes. <clears throat> so it should be interesting. I'll be very intrigued too. I don't know if we will or not, but if if we do get full out uh, space battley episodes. Oh, uh, I think we will. We th- totally yeah. will. I'm, I'm curious how the Dominion are in terms of battle, since they seem to try to win through subterfuge. You know what I mean? Like, that is I true. wonder if, like, since most of their stuff is intimidation and, and outright, you know, scariness, sometimes it doesn't make you the best fighters, you know, because it means you don't fight that often. So it just makes me kind of curious. But then again, they have people bred for war, so... You know. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 when, when you have, when you have people when you have beings that are bred for war, bred for war, and then and then you have, and then you have a bunch of planets that are kind of on your side who 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 probably at some point and you know now that they are part of your side you've helped them build it back up they 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 will be like you know battle prepared so like battle battle ready rather so so, so I'm pretty so I'm pretty sure especially with the stuff that we've seen so far. We're gonna get some all-out battles in a bunch in some ep- in, in in the future, and they're gonna be amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, wish, then again, um... we also have um, you know there've been a couple episodes that show uh, groups of Jem Hadar trying to get off of the addiction to the white. Mm. So maybe we're gonna have some like splinter factions of Jem Hadar who have gotten off the white and. If not taking the side of um, the Alpha Quadrant, basically, um, maybe at least trying to mess things up for the Dominion in some way. That which is would be true. pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> the one thing I'll say is I wish uh, I wish we had modern CGI for the show. 
It's just it's yeah. just right. very ninety CGI, and it, they they do the best they can with their limited budget, but it, and their time, but it's just like ah, would be cool. Yeah, it's one of those things that you know could just look so pretty. I know, I know. Oh well, like how I th- like how I thought Marvels and Humans was gonna look, but now but now we have this shite. Mmm, shade. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm, t- I'm telling you when 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 they when they first announced like you know for for Phase Three and they and they said. In, they said Marvels and Humans will be a film. I I I was aware I was aware of like of of, of some storylines and because I read some of them, even if the story sucked, I knew that that film would have been a visual spectacle more than anything else that Marvel has done up to this point. Right. It would have and just visually. Shot, in fact, they shot an IMAX cameras and presented IMAX and then had costumes that are like way way sub cosplay. It's like oh no, it just oh, looks it, it just looks so bad, so yeah. bad guys. Yeah, and it, it bombed the box office this weekend. That doesn't play. surprise me. Yep. So we're yep. not here to track on Infernians. Is there anything else to say <laughs> for by Inferno's light? There sure is. We have the biggest, scariest, possibly slightly prophetic comment by Gal Dukat at the very end of this episode. Oh my God! Yes. He says to Captain Cisco. He says. We will make Cardassia strong again. <laughs> I'm not going to reference what that sounds like, but if you're living in America, you probably know what it is, and it terrifies me. <laughs> to be fair, at the run-up, I did see a great Photoshop picture of uh, Gold Ducat wearing a, a hat with that on it. Are you <laughs> serious? It. Yes. And it was hilarious. And all the comments were really funny. Uh, particularly like the one about building a wall around the wormhole. That one made me laugh. <laughs> oh, I found it. I found it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> there it is. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Well, next episode is Dr. Bashir, I presume? Question mark. Oh, my God. This one was so good. I loved it. <laughs> Just going to go ahead. <clears throat> yes, yes. It'll be interesting to talk about. So Bashir and O'Brien are playing their usual game of darts when they're interrupted by Dr. Robert Picardo. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Te- Technically, his character name in this episode is Dr. Lewis Zimmerman, but it's Dr. It's Dr. Robert Picardo, let's be honest, right? Yep. So, the good doctor tells Bashir that he plans to make Bashir immortal as the new and improved version of the holographic doctor that would assist in deep space specials and remote outposts that would replace the emergency medical hologram that operates currently on some vessels with some name, I can't remember, it escapes me, and has Picardo's <laughs> visage and personality. Not only will Bashir's body have to be mapped and a complete psychological survey done, Dr. Picardo also plans to interview people close to Bashir to which Bashir agrees, except for one condition, his parents. He claims that they just simply do not get along anymore, but Picardo is only more interested in interviewing them and invites them to the station without Bashir's consent. Picardo sets up the alpha version of the hologram that looks like Bashir, but has all the personality of the emergency hologram. Julian's parents arrive on the station much to his distaste, though they seem extremely nice. In his quarters, Julian fights with his parents, who wished he stayed on Earth instead of going out to the frontier. He also notes that there is a dark secret amongst the family that must not come out in the interviews with Dr. Picardo. Julian's father, Richard, takes offense, and Julian storms out. Later in the med bay, Richard apologizes to Julian that he would never reveal their secret, that Richard genetically enhanced Julian. (gasps) However, when Richard leaves, it's revealed that Julian was the hologram, and both O'Brien and Dr. Robert Picardo heard the conversation. 
O'Brien goes to the real Julian, who is furious and is certain his medical license and Starfleet job will be taken away, as DNA restructuring is illegal since the eugenics wars. Bashir revealed as a child he had severe learning disabilities and was struggling to even stay in school. His parents worried about his future and had his brain enhanced to extreme levels, then moved him to a new part of the world where he was always a star pupil from then on. O'Brien notes that while Bashir is enhanced, he still achieved a lot of those things on his own, and there's no set rule in Starfleet for the reveal of genetically enhanced human beings, and Bashir might have the possibility to fight a ruling. However, Bashir is resigned that he knew this day would come, and he plans to resign himself. Bashir fights with his father, claiming he killed the child Jules to create Julian, because he wasn't perfect, but his mother Amsha convinces him that they only did it out of love and didn't want to see Bashir suffer more humiliation. However, when he goes to Sisko's office to resign, he discovers his father has made a plea deal. Bashir will keep his job and medical license, but his father must go to a minimum security prison for two years. At first, Bashir refuses, but eventually he accepts his father's sacrifice. Later, during their game of darts, O'Brien notes that Bashir mentioned improved hand-eye coordination. Bashir claims to not have let O'Brien win all these years, but when O'Brien tells him to play at his best, Bashir scores three perfect bullseyes. O'Brien sets a new rule. Bashir has to play 20 feet further away than O'Brien from now on. In the B-plot, Rom decides he wants to ask out Lita, but damn that self-confidence, he just can't. Things get complicated when during an interview, Dr. Picardo asks Lita out, and she agrees. He even offers her a job where she would be close to him and run her own cafe. Lita gives Rom every fucking hint in the book to tell her not to leave, but he's unable to do it. Annoyed, Lita begins to leave with Picardo, but finally Rom comes in and professes his feelings, and Lita is happy to be with him. Picardo is saddened. For about ten seconds before he spies another hot piece of tail and decides to lead the lovers to their lovin'. What do we think of Dr. Bashir, I presume? It was so good. It was so good. Oh my goodness. My first note and my last note are the same. Really? Because it starts out with Rom, you know, talking to Lita and... We know from previous episodes that they have a thing for each other, but they also won't say it. Uh, but my first note is, oh, yeah, get it wrong, because it looks like maybe he's finally going to ask her out. And of course he doesn't. And then my very last note, when they do actually finally get together, is, oh, yeah, get it wrong. <laughs> but, but this time, in all caps and with five exclamation points. Exactly. <laughs> Uh yeah, let's start there. What'd you guys think of uh what do you think of the Lita Rom stuff, Peter? Yes. Uh just th- th- this is another like this is another case of finally. But th- but this t- but this time as opposed to Dax and Worf, I think I will actually be happy with this going forward rather than getting that one episode where you're just like, "Okay, never mind, please leave." I know. I know. I'm very excited too, and I think a big thing for me is that there's not enough shows that have um interspecies uh, romances that aren't like humanoid right interspecies you know what i mean typically mm-hmm. it's like you know uh uh dax and wharf you know what i mean like they're both fairly humanish Worf not as much but you know like he's got more of the forehead ridgy stuff but like generally Ferengis aren't considered attractive is what i'm going for here. right right uh by human standards um and so it's really cute that like one of the hottest people on the show lita is crazy attractive in my opinion mm-hmm. um 
mm-hmm. is like yep. in love with Rom, which is really adorable. Because she's just like, he's sweet, he's funny, he's nice, he talks to me, and you're just like, thank you, that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. It's, it's that love transcends all boundaries. It's and true love. She she had the hottie, you know, Bashir, and now she's going to the one that matters, you know? <laughs> She had the hottie Bashir, and then they went to the pleasure planet where, 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 you know, where, you know, where, you know, where Worf was like super confused as why the two of them were hanging out with other people. And the two of them were like, it's a, the two of them like, it's a Bajoran thing. Let's move on. I don't want to even think about that. I've, I've, I've operated in denial. It's the only just that one part going. of the episode. Just that one part of the episode. Okay. It's all that matters. I can just see Sarah's face. It's just broken down. <laughs> Well, let's talk about. <laughs> I wish we had face. Cam. I'm so sorry, so Sarah. Great. Please forgive me. It's so great. Um... <laughs> it's not your fault, Peter. <laughs> oh, anyways, yeah, I liked this a lot, and uh, it was it was great to see. It's it's one of those episodes where you're just so frustrated, even if you know you may be a person who who struggled with self confidence issues. I certainly have myself in the past, and and still do at oh, times, yeah. you know, and. Uh, it's uh, it's tough when you're like he's she's giving you so many chances. <laughs> Please just take one. Please. And finally, at the very very end, she's about to get on the shuttle with um Doctor Picardo or whatever, and you're like, no, don't leave. And finally, from way off in the distance, you hear, wait. <laughs> 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 You're like, yes, Rom. Finally. Aww. Please just kiss. Adorable. Yeah. The cat agrees. Is that how Tyrion greets you? Wait. Food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> come, come here, buddy. Also, we get to see Lita in a towel this episode, and I would like to say mm. thank you <laughs> to the Star Trek gods. Because, woo, my God. Girl's thick. Woo. My lord. Doctor Picardo Doctor Picardo agrees with you. He's just like, oh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lita also I, I I this confirms my theory that Lita and Dax hooked up at least once because like oh my God, they had yes. that line where they talked about that where she's like, We have been hanging out a lot and then at one point and also she like just straight up drops her towel at some point and she's like, Whatever, yeah, see me naked, whatever. It's just I like I don't remember this scene. Aw, cat. Yeah, yeah. We have been joined by a cat, fellow audiences. Who's now going to be quiet? You know, it's an audio, of video, audio medium. <laughs> I think you might have got a little bit of purring on the on the microphone. We'll okay, see. I'll try. Ever, ever so quiet. <laughs> what were Doesn't saying? want to admit it. What were you asking, sir? I don't remember this scene where it implies that Lita and Dax hooked up. I feel like I would remember this. It's it's the episode where Dax lets them all like uh take over their her different uh former personalities oh yeah uh-huh. Lita, i remember at the time i don't remember the exact line i'll have to go back and check but it, Lita has some line like you know we've been getting to know each other really well, well. no no, no, no. but i mean in this episode how oh, do not they... in this episode no i'm just saying in this episode 
the fact that she's so freewheeling with like Picardo makes me think that she's just like super open about sex and like just chill. Oh, and okay. Because cool. she just like drops her towel in front of him. And she's like, eh, whatever. I felt like something happened with her and Dax in this episode. I was like, no, it didn't. No, no, I would have. No, I would have taken all of the notes. <laughs> all the notes, all the caps, notes, and hard eyes and emojis and all. Mm-hmm. She would have paused and rewatched that thirty seconds like five times. <laughs> well, shall we talk about the uh, a plot? What you guys? Yes. What do you guys think yes, of the uh, Bashir reveal? Because interestingly, Alexander Siddig does not like it. So I'm curious how you guys feel huh. about it. So how do you guys? Oh, feel? I, uh, it uh, it got. I I liked it. It uh, it provided some very unexpected depth to the episode. Like as soon as they, you know, accidentally revealed this, you know, dropped this truth bomb to the hologram. Right. It was like, oh, this oh. Yeah, because uh, because at first I thought it was like like some kind of crime. Mm-hmm. Like well not right. not well, well, well yes, yeah, it's a crime. Like people, but smuggled like, drugs but like once or something. Money or killing someone or something like that. I couldn't figure out exactly, but my vague thought was some kind of brother who's got shame or something, you know, like mm. family right. member we don't talk about, something like that. Um but yeah, no, it's interesting because it starts off as such a wacky episode. It's like a really clever Voyager. Um, one thing I mentioned is is, the, is obviously Robert Ricardo plays the Doctor in Voyager, and you can't just have Voyager show up because it's stuck in the middle of the Gamma Quadrant. Don't yell! Um, <laughs> some I forget Delta some quadrant. quadrant. I think it's the Delta because the Gamma Quadrant is where the wormhole goes between the Alpha and the. Yeah. So I think it's in the Delta Quadrant. Whatever. Don't yell at me, nerds. Um, so it's stuck way out in the middle of nowhere and shouldn't be able to go by DS9. Otherwise, that would defeat the entire purpose of this said show. Um, so it's really cool that they had this very clever idea that, of course, like he's the one who invented the hologram and he's the uh, uh, voice and image of it, you know, on Voyager. So like he can be on the show and other shows as well. It's like that's very clever. Um, yeah. And it seems like just more like that, like a fun episode where like, oh, we're finally going to figure out the Rom and Lita thing and we're going to have some wacky stories about Bashir and we certainly get that. There's some nice little, there's always you know, your classic O'Brien moment where his embarrassing thing is that he really likes Bashir and he doesn't want Bashir to know, which is really adorable. Mm-hmm. Cool. But then, it, yeah, it turns into this really dark, interesting, but I think very, I think a very interesting moral question uh, yeah. episode, which is, you know, about the uh advantages and disadvantages of dna restructuring which i thought was really interesting um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh i like it i i always had a problem with this year being a little too perfect he got almost wesley-ish you know at some point yeah of, yeah of just being able like he like i said he cared to hold genophage uh on that planet you know a couple episodes back and that had been there for what, like 300 years or 400 years something like that and it's like god damn mm-hmm. yeah. son, what can't you do in, like, yeah a week? and he like solves it in a week and it's nice to have sort of an explanation for that, which I really like. And uh, yeah, I've been, I've been rambling. So I guess we'll start with what you guys think of his parents and first. I thought they were really well cast, first of all. Like I saw it's them. Abu. I thought, oh, of course they're his parents. <laughs> it's Abu from Seinfeld, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> you are a very bad man. Very bad man. <laughs> One of my favorite minor characters mm. from Seinfeld. Um and his mother is like this awesome like archaeologist in real life she's like yeah. a, uh, a super emeritus uh professor who's her only acting role which i don't know 
which maybe might speak to why there's not many roles for women like who are Middle Eastern and of the age of 50, but uh, that's a different matter. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I agree. I thought they were awesomely well cast. What do you think of the parents, Peter? They were sweet and adorable. And like, I, 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 I guess, I guess for me, I guess for me, the, 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 the biggest, the biggest thing was just like how obvious was obviously how much they loved their son and like, and how, even though they knew that, you know, DNA restructuring is like illegal, they were still willing to go to the lengths to do that for their, for their son, because they didn't want him to, they, they didn't want him to be at any, at any kind of disadvantage. And it's like, and, 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 and yeah, and yes, and yes, I really, I, I realize and recognize the argument, the, the, the kind of counter argument that the people, that people can have, but, but, but I, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess, you know, part of me can see, uh, where, where the two of them are coming from when they, when they decide, when they decided to make that ultimate decision, even though I myself do not have kids. Right. It's, it's interesting. The, the, their whole story about watching him fail in uh, school is really heartbreaking and very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And sort of uh, emphasize with their decision. I like that the there's sort of this back and forth of how much was it like, because he mentioned that his father like does um sort of architecture and, and landscaping sort of things like that. And so he he's all about control and, and creating design and things like that. So how much is it of that? And how much is it of like they genuinely hated how sad you know their son was that he was failing at things and right wasn't gonna be able to achieve anything great but then it's also like well clearly they come from wealth and clearly they're very successful people um and so how much is it also that of like a class thing of like if you're mm-hmm. wealthy and you can't succeed there's sort of a thing that you're viewed as lazy or something because you're living off your parents mm. money you know or whatever so like there's all these things that I thought were genuinely very, very interesting to ponder over. And I really think it was, it was driven forward by the the performance of his father and his mother, because like mm-hmm. you, I, I think it really had a really interesting take of like how horrible it must be to be a parent, to watch your kid suffer and you want to help them in any way that you can. Uh-huh. And, 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 and even worse in like modern society, if a kid has a learning disability, obviously there's like teaching and stuff like that. But like, there's only so much you could do because physically their brains are just not capable of doing what other people's brains are. It's just an unfortunate way of genetics. Um, and so in this world where you can do that, but it's illegal and it's horribly frowned upon and it might ruin their life. It's like uh, this very, very interesting concept. Uh, Remind me of the book flowers for Algernon. Have you ever guys mm-hmm. read mm-hmm. that? I haven't it. read it, but I've seen a couple of film adaptations of it. It's, it's really good. And it's, it, since it's first person, you really get a good view of the, the, um, curse of intelligence of of the th- of when you gain intelligence the things you also gain which is like guilt and uh, uh mm-hmm. self-reflection and 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 like in that book he becomes even smarter than most humans you know what i mean he like advances beyond that and i, I thought it was very interesting the way he talks about uh, julian talks about how he was jules before the operation he was julian afterwards right mm-hmm. and uh, he has a really cutting line at one point when he says to his father or you you mentioned that his father had been an architect and so forth and julian says you're not my father you're my architect Ooh. yeah that was and a very cutting just, line. Oh, that that hit very deep and very hard yeah but i love that um when uh 
I think it was Julian who was explaining perhaps to Miles all of this and, you know, why it's illegal and so forth. They 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 did a deep cut back to Khan, which I thought was great. And he yes. said, you know, for, for every ten Julian Bashirs, <laughs> there's, you know, one Khan Nunyan Singh where, you know, just superhuman humans who want to well do a Dalek basically and they want to kill everyone who is less than they are. Yes. And pulling in all the sci-fi today. We're, we're being super nerds in this episode. I love it. Yes. Well, if we're going to talk about nerds, this is a great movie uh, which you've probably all seen in your biology class, Gattaca, which I quite Yeah. Love, which is also <laughs> something about like the idea of, of that persecution could move into the genetically enhanced and the non-genetically enhanced, and that would be the new racism sexism of the future mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. of and that also creates stratospheres of better people and you know and it's interesting i think bashir now has an interesting conflict in his brain of like everything he achieves now he has to wonder you know how much of it is me and how much of it is the uh enhancements i received right yeah and that's that's what makes me I don't know, just sort of feel sad, I guess, for young Julian is, yes, of course, his parents wanted him to succeed and do well, but was he not enough just being their son? Right. Like, And then there's that whole gray area that, of course, I don't have the answer to, certainly not being a parent, uh, but of do you... You know, of, of course, we can't exactly do this now, but, you know change your child so they have a better future or teach them to i don't know have good self-esteem and be happy as they are right exactly you know which is which is worse right and that's that's the ultimate conflict that's left unresolved is would jules be a happy person today without the mm-hmm. right the enhancements and almost certainly wouldn't be a doctor or a tennis champion you know because this probably came from the enhancements but like doesn't mean he couldn't be happy in some other field or some other profession or some other world or some other life you know what i mean yeah. uh, and uh probably almost certainly wouldn't be out in the frontier in the middle of a war you know mm-hmm. um so again it's just something interesting but then but then also you're like well then who would have cured that planet of its you know plague? yeah you know mm-hmm. so good has come out of his the things that have happened to him which i think is why star well, of course Fleet it has decides you know to uh to allow him to keep his position, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like too. And also, his dad ways. owns up to his mistakes, which is good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like that he goes to jail for a little, long, little bit of time, and mm-hmm. there is consequences to their action. Like they don't just be like, well, you know, doesn't save a judge or something. <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah. And it was the hardest surgery of any surgeries, and only a genetic. You know, they didn't have that cheesiness. You know, <laughs> thank God. I guess I, I don't know if we're all going to, I don't think any of us are going to have kids, at least not now, but if you had the option to help a kid like with that, do you think you would take that option? Because it's tough. Oh, God. You see, And this is, once again, this is that whole moral gray area. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you could know unless you were, you know, a parent, you know. Mm-hmm. I think I would ask the kid. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Which not necessarily that they would understand what I was asking, but at least I could attempt to let them have a say in their future. Right. Right. As best you can. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, is there anything else to say for uh, Dr. Bashir, I presume? 
Picardo was a dick. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I, I think, I think that's like apart from just you know the whole revelation of Bashir, Bashir's uh, genetic genetic restructuring. Picardo was just a dick about everything he was doing in in regards to that. It's just like it's like it's like don't call my parents. Well, of course I'm gonna call your parents. They seem to be hiding a secret. I'm gonna trick. I'm gonna basically trick them into finding out what telling me what their secret is. I'm gonna now that now that I know what it is, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you just knocked up knocked out of Starfleet completely. Just he was a real dick about everything. Simply because 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 he probably in part because because he did not like how you know this like this young gun was was gonna be completely replacing hit replacing his 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 original program. So you know that and 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 it's with this guy who's probably who probably kind of in the background that we don't even see has been showing him up left and right. And he's pissed off about that. Then he's being, then he's being a dick. Then he's, then he's being a dick to Rom when it comes to Lita. And it's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to mention is that we finally got our yep. Star Trek version of the, uh, the lusty Argonian maid, which is, uh, who's played. <laughs> Anyone who's played uh, Elder Scrolls knows is a, a running bit uh, ever since Morrowind, which is like you can find books and there you, there's often the Lusty Argonian Lusty Maid, Argonian made, yeah. the uh, porn of Skyrim, basically. <laughs> ah. And uh, um, when Rom is really sad, Quark offers him to uh, go to the Hollow Suite Vulcan Love Slave 2. <laughs> so that is... Yes. I remember, I think Quark, I was, I, I was going to bring that up, actually, if you didn't. <laughs> um, but a few episodes ago, Quark, I think, was talking to Odo and was trying to get him to loosen up a little bit. And he says, G- come to the Hollow Suites. I'll let you use the program Vulcan Love Slave. And I made some comment, like, I want to know about Vulcan Love Slave. What's happening? <laughs> and then here I have in my notes, just, just in all caps, Vulcan Love Slave Part 2. Clearly, it's a series. I'm interested. Clearly, it's successful. Yes, or at least among the Ferengi. Indeed. All right. Well, anything else? No. No. Okay. I think we're let's, good. Let's end about... on this light note of questionable of Star Trek porn. <laughs> <laughs> questionable is right. Oh boy. Uh, all right. <laughs> you know what makes me realize? Okay, this is one last thing. I'm sorry. Um. There's probably like because Kirk is so like famous as we saw from the uh, the Tribble episode, like Kirk and Spock slash Vic must exist in the Star Trek universe itself as well. Oh, it has oh to. my god! I don't know yeah. why I never thought of that. Right? There must be what hollow suites of Kirk and Spock. Do right? with their time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone hears these stories about Kirk and Spock. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we know what's going on after those adventures. All right, I think we're good. We've when you get to porn, I think it's time. We're to going the down a dangerous path. <laughs> we're gonna get an E on iTunes if we keep this up. All right, so that has been our episode. Next week, we'll be discussing season five, episode seventeen and eighteen, which are a simple investigation and business as usual. I imagine is neither. What is... nice, pleasant titles. Yeah, I imagine it's neither a simple investigation nor business as usual. I don't think. 
get out of those. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CBTN underscore Meatshield. Our awesome artwork is by Joe Bowen. We are part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like the show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.